Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Tom Curran's Patriots Talk Podcast. As always, featuring our guy, Phil Perry. Today on the pod, we're going to talk to Chris Sims, who told everybody how good Cam Newton was, and we saw it on Sunday. Victory lap time for him. Additionally, he'll give us his analysis of Tom Brady and how those Bruce Arians' comments might go over with Tom. Additionally, how sustainable is the Patriots offense with Cam Newton running it 15 times? Josh McDaniels will hit on this. And the sound and the fury of week one. Phil and I will listen to some of it and react to all of it. All that and more on the Patriots Talk Podcast. How was that, Phil? That was really good. Listen to some of it, react to all of it. Sounds like how I treat you in these podcasts every week. Okay, okay, we're gonna be light, but a little bit, a little bit of a razor sharp edge to things today. All right, let's get right after it. Josh McDaniels went on a was on a was on a conference call with us this morning. I was watching Stephen Guskowski shank kicks until two in the morning, and then doing my power ranking. So. I'm a little bit fierce to you. That is a that's a fun night right there. Yeah, it's <laughs> put put a mouth card in. Uh, Josh McDaniels on a conference call this morning, talking about what we all talked about on Monday. Real good, but how long can this go on? But is that number of touches for the quarterback and, and the run game sustainable? Uh, I was aware of the you know I was aware of the number uh, you know during the course of the game. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, what's really important is, is, you know, that we're, we're doing the right things, you know, you know, one for the players uh, that we have out there and, and obviously for the team. Um, and, and, you know, look, if we're, if we're doing things that are going to put people at risk, then that's, that's one thing that you got to really consider, um, you know, but I would say like, I know Bill talked about it yesterday. Uh, there's certain things that, um, it could have been, that number could have been six, um, you know, and it ended up being a little higher. Um, and, and like I just told Mike, you know, I don't know that any one thing, if you do it over and over and over, is sustainable uh, in our league. Uh, the coaches and the players each week are too good. Um, you know, so like I said, I've, I've called 60 passes. And believe me, I don't want to live in that world. Uh, you know, too long. Everybody talked about it on Monday, Phil. I made the point that, look, he didn't get whacked that badly except on a couple of plays. So what's the big deal? I'd rather see him running with the ball when he's controlling it and deciding to keep it, as Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels both pointed out, rather than standing back there waiting for Jacoby Myers to open up and getting an MCL blown out. He might be safer that way, honestly. Because he's in more control of the situation, I would think, Tom, if he has the football in his hands and he's able to see what's going on in front of him, he knows when to get down. He should by now, at least. Although there was one forward-leaning dive from Cam mm-hmm. Newton yesterday that was a little ugly. Like, you want to try to avoid those? You don't need an accidental broken collarbone. But he knows when to get down. He should know when to get out of bounds. He should be able to protect himself in those situations. But, Tom, the issue is not whether or not he can do that. It's just – if you're running it 15 times, and to McDaniel's point, it could have been a, a lower number based on how some of the option plays went. He scrambled once, so that wasn't called. But if you're running it 15 times, there's going to be one or two that you're not in as great of control of 
as you would normally like. And if that happens three or four weeks in a row, then you're talking about a half dozen hits potentially that could really do some damage. So I don't think they continue, they can continue this. Mm -hmm. I think they have to dial him back a little bit. They do. And it's, it's a conversation we could spend a half an hour on because if you're Cam Newton, do you say to yourself, look, love Bill, love the system, love how welcomed I've been by my teammates and we're going to win some football games but I'm a free agent at the end of the year and I am 31. I got to start protecting my asset out here. Or does he say, look, I think I like it here so much on September 15th. I'll do whatever it takes to win. And I'm going to re-up. These guys are great at compartmentalizing. So when I say that has to occur to them, it's underselling how good athletes and coaches and these guys who live in their bubbles are at walling off stuff that we all in the normal world say, what happens in a little while. But that's really the crux of the issue. Do the Patriots drive them hard and put them away wet? Or do they say, look, we gotta, we're trying to make the playoffs here. It's just a great conundrum. conundrum. It really is. It really is. And I think one of the issues that the Patriots are going to find is that if they don't run them the way they did, then how do things look? Because on the one hand, you could say, listen, we're just getting this stuff on tape, okay? Let's, let's have Cam be really active early in the year. We're going to hammer these teams with a complicated running game. Then it's going to be out there. They're going to have mm-hmm. to digest it. They're going to have to learn it. They're going to have to prepare for it. That's going to take time. Then we can hit him with some other stuff where maybe he's not put in harm's way quite as often. But, Tom, I look at what he did in Carolina – and you look at some of those offenses, and I did this for last week's mailbag. As much as we sit here and say what he played with in Carolina was not very good in terms of the offensive weaponry, the people he has around him here in New England right now might be sixth or seventh on the list in terms of 2014 in Carolina was better, 2018 in Carolina was better, 2015 mm-hmm. in Carolina was better. So he has to run more than he did in Carolina. 15 carries was more than he did in Carolina. He was not that guy in Carolina, Tom. If they don't do it, what is he doing? Is he throwing to Devin Asiasi seven times or Ryan Izzo six times, like the way he was with Greg Olson? I just don't know what comes after if you take those Cam Newton runs away. And taking Cam Newton away, and that's the fascinating thing, taking him away means committing on first down, eight in the box, and reading the Patriots personnel and saying, well, they're heavy, they have yuck, Yock Johnson's out there. It's, um, you know, Rex Burkett or Sony Michelle, whatever the, the formation is. And we're going to press. You know, it, it is 11 on 11. You do have that advantage because he's a runner. But just putting eight in the box isn't the cure-all. It's how you're playing against those wideouts and targets on the outside for the Patriots. I'm getting a little far afield here. I definitely am. Well, but, Josh said, Tom, he's called games where they've thrown it 60 times. He knows he can't do that with this group. He has if, to know that. If you crowd the line against the Patriots, Phil, I still think that that doesn't solve everything. If you're a defense, you have to go after Cam Newton. You're gonna you have to him. pressure. You've got to make sure he doesn't have the ball at the end of the play. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. One positive to take away from this, from the Patriots, even though the passing game didn't necessarily light the world on fire. I mean, it was efficient. He averaged over eight yards per attempt. But the Dolphins personnel-wise, Tom, in their secondary, it's a talented group, and they play a lot of man-to-man. Yep. So what you're talking about and taking away the pass game, like they may have survived one of the tougher matchups that they'll see this year, in all honesty. I mean, the Ravens will be tough, but next week they're going to go to Seattle, and Seattle's going to do what they do. They, they're going to play a lot of zone. And their secondary isn't what it was. They still kind of have that Legion of Boom reputation. Why, I don't really know. It hasn't been that way in some time. So maybe next week there are some more openings just because of the nature of the defense that they play. The Dolphins, I don't think we should underrate the talent of their secondary. It's a pretty good group. You make that point. Perfect transition to something else that Josh spoke about this morning, and that is the polar opposite nature of the Seattle defense compared to New England's. And also that whole idea that you set things up, but there's no no guarantee that it'll necessarily look the same way the next week. Here's Josh. We've had games where we've, you know, run it in an inordinate amount of times. I mean, I've called over 50-some runs, uh, you know, at different times in, in my career here. And, you know, no matter what it is you do one week, uh, you, you better, you know, be ready to, to handle a totally different challenge uh, the next week. Is some of this smoke and mirrors, Phil? I mean, is some of this attributable to Miami ain't that good? They didn't have any idea what they were going to be seeing. And now, instead of folks who are starting to make some plans for Tampa, they ought to be saying, that's not going to happen again. I think you do have to temper your expectations here because they're, and I said this ahead of week one, so why I thought the Patriots would cover, and they did. And they did. Yep, well, they did. Big time yeah. cover for your boy. Um, but I thought that was a real built-in advantage they had, that week one advantage of not knowing anything. The Patriots were going to be more familiar with what the Dolphins did on both sides of the ball than the Dolphins were going to have, you know, when you looked at it the other way, the Dolphins were going to have really no idea offensively what the Patriots were going to bring. So the Seahawks will have a better idea. But, Tom, I think what's, what's fun about this offense is that – and Josh McDaniels is perfectly suited to coordinate things for an offense like this because he's so good at sequential football. Bill Belichick calls them complementary plays. You build one play off of the next, off of the last, off the one before that, off of three before that, and that's how you end up with some explosive gains. They did it with that end-around run for Edelman. They ran four or five jet sweeps throughout the course of the game, never gave it to the guy. Right. At the end of the game, I assume Josh McDaniels must have seen they were having trouble getting through the wash. That slot defensive back was having trouble tracking Edelman or Nikhil Harry or whoever it was running around his own linebackers. He was bumping into guys. He was taking guys out of the play. <laughs> you watched this? You saw this on, this was, on your breakdown after? Yeah, so we put this. This was our turning point story this week was just it had to be something from that last scoring drive, and I looked at that play, 23-yard run plus 15 yards on top of it, 38-yard gain. Tom, yep. I don't think there are going to be many 38-yard gains with this offense this year. <laughs> so that was a huge play, and I think McDaniels saw something on the – on the plate, the uh, what do they call those? The still frame or the, yep. the, the Microsoft surface there. He said, these guys are bumping into each other. It's a clown show out here when we do the jet motion. We've got to do this and give it to somebody. And they had all kinds of room. So you're going to have 
those kinds of observations from him, but you're also just going to have these wrinkles that he's basing off the plays he showed in week one that should confuse whoever they see in week two, because again, this is all still relatively new. Not everything is out there for the Seahawks to consume just because they played one game. So what will be the zig to the zag that the Patriots offense tries to do? And that's going to be so really fascinating to watch is, is how they figure out how to build it. Like you were saying, you know, here's your first layer, here's your second layer. And then in a few weeks, you're going to go back to that first layer again and drop that on Kansas city or a variation of it, because that is the studious nature of the NFL. Look, plenty of times we look at these guys and go, these guys are so stupid. Vic Fangio being a perfect example last night, the way he butchered his end of game situation with timeouts, but you can't say they don't study. And you can't say they don't spend the time. And you can't say that they're not up to date on analysis and recognition of things that they've seen before. So the zig to the zag will be fascinating. And teams are going to force them to bring that zig. I put out a poll question earlier, Phil. And the poll question really addresses this. Put it out on Twitter. And I got already about 1,000 votes. And couple hours. I should hours. follow you. I should yeah. follow you on Twitter. You don't follow me on Twitter? I'm not sure I do. I missed that. Actually, I think I blocked you. Um, uh-huh. There's no way to diminish Cam Newton's Buffalo opening act on Sunday with the Patriots. You should, A, get used to it, baby. That got 10.4% of the votes. Be feeling pretty good. 38.4% of the votes. Slow down. It was Miami. Got 48.2% of the votes and prepare for a swift fall Got 3% of the votes, and some of the input we got from people were, uh, of course, the Earl of Mangwich, longtime friend. It was cur- encouraging to see them win with a new style on limited practice. However, it's not fair to rely on Cam to take that kind of punishment all year. I hope Coach McDaniels adds more things to evolve the offense. We hit that. Also, Harry Mann Jr., old friend, mentions the same thing. A lot of credit belongs to Josh McDaniels. He's able to adapt and build offenses that fit the strength of the quarterback and the other skilled players around the quarterback. Give credit to Josh and Cam. And there's a few more answers in there. Hit at Tommy Curran on your Twitter to see the rest of them. Appreciate you guys banging in. That's the interesting thing, Phil, though. When you look at this offense and the sustainability and the fact that Cam Newton has the whole thing built around him, Patriots ran 64 offensive plays, 15 runs. I believe it was 19 throws. So you're at 34 of the 63 plays and, and Cam Newton probably entered into six or seven more of those just by the presence of the read option. So this offense is built entirely around a guy who showed up on June 28th. If he does not continue on, how then does the offense look with either Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham running it? What I I don't want to get into this whole thing here. We're after this game and we're on to the next one a little bit, but it is astounding what Josh McDaniels and the Patriots didn't say. You know what? He's still out there. There's a ceiling to how good we can be in 2020 with these two guys. Let's just go get Cam and ride it and see how it goes. Worst case scenario, he sucks. He gets hurt. And we're back where we were with Stiddy and Hoy. I, what's crazy is, I mean, you, you just mentioned the numbers in terms of how many plays centered around Cam Newton. It's so much about the running game after one week. They ran, Tom, 80% of their plays were either actual runs or play-action passes. So there was run action, according to next-gen stats, on over 80% of their plays. And I think 
crazy as this sounds, that number may have to remain, if not right at 80, in that 70 to 75 range, because if they're not running play action, I'm not sure how successful they're going to be throwing the football. But one thing they'll do, and this gets to our zig to the zag conversation, and one thing they didn't do in week one at all, hardly, which surprised me, at all, period. I can't remember a single screen pass, Tom. This right. offense loves the screen game. They have an athletic offensive line. They have a quarterback who uses the screen game a lot in Carolina. They have capable pass-catching running backs. I think that's going to be one of the zigs to the zag. Seattle's going to look at this and say, 42 runs. Everything's based on the run. They can't classic drop-back pass. Let's get up the field. Let's defend the run on the way to the quarterback in case they are throwing. If you do that and you're super aggressive and Pete Carroll's telling those guys to pin their ear back, ears back and get after the quarterback, the screen game could work out really, really nicely. They're also a cover three team, Tom. We'll get into this with the preview. But I think this week wasn't my Devin Asiasi mm-hmm. week. I've been big on Devin Asiasi. You know this. Uh, clearly, wasn't targeted. Uh, I think next week. I'm going for next week now. I'm just pushing it forward to next week. I think next I, week. I, be a Devin this is going to be such a fascinating game with Seattle for so many reasons, one of which is traveling cross country in these unprecedented times. But you also have, if you want to change from the horizontal offense you ran with all the jet sweep motion and challenging on the edges and go to the middle. Hi, it's Bobby Wagner. Remember me? Hey, it's Jamal Adams. I used to play with you guys all the time. So real big challenge but before we start diving into the seattle seahawks Mm, mm. let's first get to cam newton and his performance as broken down by chris sims who well i'll get to it right here and just hats off to sim boy simmy simian trevor simian chris and here he is right now chris sims you know chris in June, when you came out with your top 40 quarterback rankings that we all look forward to, I look at number 10 and it's Cam Newton. I go, come on, son. He's not on a team. How are we going to put Cam Newton at number 10? And, man, if he didn't look like a top 10 or higher quarterback on Sunday, then I'm a monkey's uncle. What did you think of that performance? Well, it was a great performance. And, and you know, let's first off, you know, Tom, because you, you make up a good point. I had a lot of people say that to me. You know, I mean, he's on a team. How good could he possibly be? Well, you know, with the injury he had, the age he's had, at the, the specimen he is, I, I, and I knew a few people that knew him that I had good inklings that he was healthy. And, you know, these injuries were going to be able to be overcome, I guess is what I'm saying that way. And then the other thing is, why was he not on a team? Well, one, Carolina Panthers let him go late. But two, as you've seen, I'm sure, a little at practice and things like that, he's not the kind of guy you want as a backup quarterback. So <laughs> when you already have your starting quarterback, Cam Newton is going to make the whole team question the starting quarterback if he's your backup because everybody's going to go in the locker room and go, did you see what Cam Newton did in practice today? Did you see that throw? Did you see that run? And it'll cause division within the team. So that was the big reason he was out there. But what we saw in the game itself, I mean, watching that film yesterday, it was the best thing I watched so far as far as week one. The offensive game plan formulated by McDaniels and Belichick to, as we know, New England's the masters at, hey, this is what our guy does really well. Let's find a lot of different ways to use his strengths. And I just think between the personnel sets, the formations, and some of the schemes in which they use Cam Newton – 
And then him showing the ability to make some pretty damn good throws, throwing the football, you go, uh-oh, watch out. New England's got something here. Chris, how much of what they did were they able to accomplish because Miami came in blind? No preseason, no training camp, no joint practices, no place to get eyes on what the Patriots had planned for Kim. So how much should we attach qualifiers to this performance? Well, I, I don't, I'm not going to attach too many qualifiers but I do think you're right than what you bring up I think it's a very solid point because how do you prepare to play the New England Patriots with Cam Newton at quarterback when you just absolutely have no idea what you're going to see the formations how they're going to run certain plays I mean I'm sure they weren't expecting spread nobody in the backfield pulling guard on third and five running quarterback type plays right so uh yes they were certainly handicapped in that in in, in the matchup but as we know, what New England did and everything like that, it won't stay the same. It's going to continue to grow off of what they did. So they will be ready for that next move and adjustments to go, okay, yeah, we showed all these Cam Newton runs and all these great creative things we can do. But now that's going to force defense's hands to do things to take it away. And knowing Belichick and Josh McDaniels and how they operate, they already have their plan B ready for, hey, we think teams will do this, so our next move off of that has to be these plays to expose that to keep everything functioning at a high level within that offense. Yeah, because you have to figure someone is going to vote at least a player and a half to Cam on every play. Right. When we, when we look at the scheme and we look at what they were able to do, he ran the ball 15 times. The immediate concern here in New England on Monday morning was, can't do that. I contend that if he's running, he's in control of his situation even more than if he's standing back there surveying for a receiver open down the field with his eyes there and a collection of wide receivers who aren't that good. I don't think 15 times a game is a great idea, but I didn't see an immense amount of punishment either. I agree. I, that's, that's spot on. We've got to keep the context of the situation there you know, alive and what we saw and be realistic about it. I mean – do I think I want to see him run 15 or 20 times every week? No, probably not. But at the same time, I think what you said is real. I tried to say this to Florio today on Pro Football Talk. You go back and watch the game, other than that fourth and one at the end of the game, and there might have been one other third down run, mm -hmm. he did a pretty good job of not letting anybody deliver car crash hits. And really throughout his career – Look at all the runs he's had. He's never really gotten injured running the ball, to your point. It's about, oh, I got blindsided. Oh, I tore my labrum. I was throwing the football and got hit as I was throwing in the pocket. You know, the foot injury, I think he did that in a drop-back pass, mm -hmm. scrambling against New England in the preseason last year. So it wasn't the run game and punishment dealt from that run game. They'll be smart. He's smart. He knows where he's at in his career. He also realizes it's a big year, and if he gets hurt again, that it's going to hurt his prospects right. to be a starter somewhere else. So I would think he's extra careful about fighting for meaningless yard, you know, when he already has a first down or things like that. And that's a, a conversation for another day that could take up an entire half hour is yeah. what will his prospects for 2021 be? Does he love it here so much, or does he want to try and get another – $50, $75 million contract. Let's switch to another guy who has, over the course of time, made plenty of money in the NFL, too. It's the former quarterback here, Tom Brady. 23 for 36, two picks, one of them picks six, two touchdown passes. But we look at that game, and I don't think that it was 
abhorrent. I think that he looked like a guy in a new offense against a real good defense, but I didn't right. look at it and go, wow, that guy's 43, man. You? I agree. No, I'm, I'm with you. You know, and again, I know people out there think I'm a Tom Brady hater and all that. All I do is try to be realistic about the situation. And what I've said the last two days on my podcast and on the show in the morning on, you know, pro football talk is first off, was it Brady's best game? No, but let's be realistic about what we're doing here. I think everybody has jumped the gun and disrespected the gods of football just to think, Oh, we put all these guys on a team. And we just expect them to play like a team week one and execute perfectly. And this year, with no preseason and no OTAs, no chance. I don't care who the quarterback is or how much experience. That's hard. We're disrespecting what it takes to execute as a team, the communica communication, the anticipation. Coaches and players are still getting a feel for each other with all those moving parts they have there in Tampa. And to your point, too, they're playing a team, the New Orleans Saints, who is exactly the same. It's a very good defense. And let's be realistic what we saw on Sunday. Mike Evans, not 100%. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no run game to depend on. And just so-so pass protection. The interceptions, yeah, they were bad. They were unlike Brady. They were his fault. But I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, this is what I expected. Brady's in a struggle in Tampa. No, I think, like you said, it's a work in progress. They'll continue to figure out what he likes, what they're trying to say with certain calls and certain situations. Hey, Tom, I'm thinking this. If this isn't there, do this. It's all a work in progress. And this week they got the Carolina Panthers who are a big-time work in progress. And mm -hmm. I would think they work some of these kinks out and Brady looks a lot better. A quick aside, it did look like Rob Gronkowski, as opposed to Brady, was just getting back into a very cold pool after Agreed. kind of just tiptoeing into the shallow end. Ooh, I, I will say I'm a little concerned with the way he looked. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's the greatest tight end I've ever seen play football. But I, I think, yeah, I, I, we saw the same thing. That first screen pass that was thrown to him, I thought it was going to take him 75 steps to get going there. Yeah. And it wasn't much leg drive. So something I'll have my eye on. Again, I don't want to jump the gun too much on Tampa Bay early. I didn't expect them to hit the ground running in a year like this. But, uh, yeah, as far as Gronk first start, it didn't look great, but maybe he needs some time, too, to just work the kinks out and get his body back, you know, used to, to live play in the NFL. Last question before I get you out of here has to do with Bruce Arians and his bedside manner. We all understood that Tom Brady at some point said, you know what, Bill, I'm kind of getting tired of the criticism and the lack of praise and you were here. You understand what it's like. I mean, you can take it for a while, but at some point it gets over the top. Well, now he's someplace else, Tom is. And the praise was generous throughout the offseason, but Bruce Arians does not pull punches. He is a bus-rolling coach. And when things go bad, that bus is going to have plenty of bodies under it. Tom Brady got run over pretty good on Sunday and Monday. How do you think that goes over with a quarterback? And will Tom understand the method to the madness? I think he will. I don't know if Tom's going to sit back and just let, you know, if this continued to be like a consistent thing, I don't know if Tom's going to be real cool with that, like throwing, throwing me under the bus publicly week after week or another handful of times during the year. That's not going to be cool. It's total opposites, like what you said off of Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, you're not going to get much praise, but you're not, you're not going to get any public scrutiny. That's the one thing you can count on. I mean, he would never go, Brady's got to play better. Brady was horrible. Or, 
you know, he didn't show grit and determination, things like that. I mean, they had a few comments where I kind of, yeah, like you, I was like, whoa. And uh, they were a little harsh for a guy the first time in the offense with no run game against that team and everything like that. So I don't know what the method of the madness is. Like you said, Bruce Arians kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. And I don't know if he knows any better there, but, you know, also – hey, uh, if I was going to throw a shot back at Bruce Arians, I would go, hey, sometimes we talk about, like, hey, Bruce Arians has won the Super Bowl seven times, and I want to go, he's only been in the NFC Championship game. So he's an unproven commodity that way, too, before he starts killing Tom Brady and doing all that stuff. All right, Chris Sims, he's got a Ph.D. in quarterbacking. He is a quarterback expert. He is from NBC. You can catch him on Pro Football Talk in the morning with Mike Florio. Chris, appreciate your time, and thanks again. Let's talk down the road. Yeah, you know it. Anytime, Tom, you're the man. All right. I really appreciate Chris taking the time. Great insight, I thought. Um, and he was ahead of the curve on Cam Newton. Further, I think it's worth bearing in mind that, look, it's week one of the NFL season in which there was no preseason and no training camp. Some people said Tom Brady was going to be the MVP. The Bucs are going to go 13-3, and three and they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Some people stick by that because they don't fold their tent after one week of the NFL season when that's oftentimes the most – the time that you can't really read anything into with. Sorry. My guy's tired. Word. My guy's tired. Usually he's got, he's got the exact right word. Yeah. The exact right time. It's not it indicative later. of future results, okay? Yep. I'm a Brady guy. What you saw from him, however, was not a disaster. 23 for 36 with no running game. They ran the ball on first down time and time and time again, and they got nothing out of it. So they were kind of pinned back. Phil, your point was excellent that you made all offseason, and it came to fruition, I think, on Sunday. The verbiage is a bitch, and he's having a hard time with it. But they were playing friggin' New Orleans. Anybody who wants to look at this guy who brought a team back from 28-3 to in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and his entire resume is littered with tremendous performances when backed into a corner, I mean, do we never learn, Phil? He's going to be fine. He's going to throw four touchdowns. It's going to be – this is a 43-10 to game against Carolina this week. Well, listen, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you that this was going to be a slow start. And it's the verbiage. I don't even know if, if it's so much the verbiage, Tom, as it is just the rhythm and timing with your receivers, seeing things the same way through mm-hmm. one set of eyes, all of that stuff. The verbiage could slow that whole process down. If he's trying to translate in his brain the way quarterbacks described it to me, Kurt Warner described it to me, when you're changing systems, sometimes you have to say, oh, okay, we called this jet in this offense, but it's missile here. Okay, pretty similar. I should be able to figure that out. But even that millisecond that it takes you to make that process go can screw you up. And so I think that's part of what we saw as well. They're too good. They're too talented. They're still going to be good. But I think it, I think it could be a month, Tom. It could be a little bit more than a month for them to really fire on all cylinders, Brady included. The point that I made with Chris, I'll ask you the same question. And we watch it closely. Were there any throws that made you say, ooh, 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 looked like an old guy there? Or were there any oh. pocket reactions 
I guess that's, that's probably the better way to gauge Brady's age is pocket reactions to pressure and get this thing to frig out of my hands. Not that struck me and gave me the reaction that you just described there. Boy, is he looking old. But, Tom, they, the offensive line performance disappointed me. Yeah, he got I whacked thought, around, Phil. That was, I thought that was going to look better. And we know we've talked about mm-hmm. the system. It's not a great fit. It's a deep drop, deep pass down the field kind of offense. So you have to be sitting back there at times for more than, than he might like typically. But I thought they had those positions shored up, and I'm not sure all those guys are, are ready um, in, the, in the way that they need them to be ready. Because priority number one should be getting the, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And if the offensive line can't help him to that end, Bruce Arians has to help him, and he has to call different plays because they're, they're not going to be able to function that way for 16 games. Yeah, and Bruce Arians, the only player who got a more caustic review than Tom Brady, it seemed, and we'll get to this later in the program, was their left tackle who got absolutely eviscerated by Bruce Arians verbally. Very disappointed, very disappointed in him. It's funny because Arians, this isn't new. He is constantly rolling people under the giant tires of the biggest bus he can find. Always. It's mesmerizing to me uh, that Kangle can get away with that. Um, but he does. Um, he may get away with it because of the Kangle. I don't know. There's got to be a point at which someone like Brady, and there's probably not a lot of guys like Brady, or there are none, who go, wait a minute, man. Didn't, I, didn't our defense used to beat the absolute shit out of your offenses that you designed in Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or Arizona or any place else? You, you're older than me, but I've forgotten more than you know. And I know what it's like to do these things. So stop. It'll be interesting to watch. I mentioned it to somebody down in Foxborough, wondered if they had seen the comments and they thought that wouldn't go over real big with Tom, kind of a BS move. I wonder, I wonder how that will go over with Brady if it persists, which is a little bit of what I talked about with Phil Sims and uh, actually his, Son, Chris, uh, is who I spoke to. Thank Phil God. Was Phil was there somewhere. Just Thank God Chris there will be no late Monday night game next week, especially after the Sunday night game coming at us because nose guy is a little bit, a little bit fatigued. Um, Phil, you did your report card, and you're going to give away a couple of game balls. Uh, give me some of the highs and lows from the card, will you please? Well, I'll give you the quarterback first off. That's what everybody wants to know, right? I gave him a B plus. I, I thought it was a really, really solid performance. You want it higher? You want it higher? A B plus? For those of you who don't have YouTube, I am right up on the camera. <laughs> I think a they can hear. B plus? They're all over the microphone, too. It's good audio. Come on, man. I can't gauge your reaction there. Is that too high or too low? It's way too low, man. Come on. I just showed up June 28th. I mean, you were... Yeah. You were on the beach in Chatham when the guy signed. When you, when you give a test, Tom, and somebody shows up and takes the test, do you ask them if they missed the previous week sick, or do you just give them the test and score it? You, you give them what? the test, and you give it a score. So that's what I gave. A B plus, a very solid grade. And the only reason it's dropped at all from that A range is because it did look like to me in the Tony Romo was, it was, chain not, thing. was not the chain thing. That, was, that did not impact the grade one way or another. Tony Romo, and I thought he did a good job of this in all honesty, but he was basically pleading with Cam Newton to get out of certain looks. 
if they try to run it here, it's not going to work. And they would try to run it and it didn't work. It happened a couple times on cam keepers. It happened at least once on a, uh, on a give. Uh, there was another play where he attempted a pass, but there was all out pressure and it looked like, I don't know if this was on him or on the receiver, um, but it didn't look like there was any kind of hot route solution happening there. And you can't really expect him to be on top of all this stuff because as you mentioned, he's new to the offense. And so that'll change, but he was so good with the ground game stuff, Tom, the ball handling stuff, the accuracy on the passes that he did get off. I thought was really impressive. One of those slants to Edelman, Tom, perfectly placed. He's fading away from the line of scrimmage with some zip on the ball. So really good, I thought, both the run game and the pass game. Not perfect, though. We can't be given A's right out of the shoot when it's not perfect. So he gets a B plus. All right. Well, the throw to Harry was terrific, too. And um, what I did try and, and interrupt you on. And when we get reviews, and we always appreciate your reviews, oftentimes that's one of the main complaints is, Tom, let people finish their thoughts, especially when they have momentum. And Phil certainly had that there. But I wanted to interject because Phil is, is really sharp. And in the first couple of practices of training camp, that was an observation that Phil made is Cam would come to the line just a couple of times. And I think he got it. And it was interesting to hear Josh McDaniels expounding today on just how much Cam does get things. But Cam came to the line and saw a look that he didn't like and he kind of turned around and said to Jed Fish, I believe it was, Phil, what are we doing here? These guys know what we're about to do. And he said, just run it. So that's going to be a work in progress. What'd you give for a grade to the secondary? Because a little bit of a mixed bag, specifically with Stephon Gilmore. I thought I'd give Stephon Gilmore a, a, a B plus too, even with the handsiness. Yeah, I, I know they had three pass interference penalties and Gilmore had two of them and Terrence Brooks had one in the end zone. I still gave this group an A-. minus. I thought it was that good. good. It would have been an A if not for those penalties. Just so sticky in coverage really mm-hmm. all day. Jawan Williams looks like he can play, Tom. He's all over Mike Kosicki, uh, including for that critical pick at the end. J.C. Jackson has a pick. Adrian Phillips. Adrian Phillips, I mean, where did this guy come from? He barely played in camp. I know. They have him out there on the field, and he's not only playing safety and he's covering tight ends as we expected, but he's playing linebacker and he's mugging the A gaps and he's dropping into coverages. The rat, man, this would have been a good game to break down with uh, Coach uh-huh. Mayo. Mayo would have loved this game because they were mixing up their coverages. This is such a smart group. And I asked Bill Belichick about Adrian Phillips today on a conference call, and Tom, he basically acknowledged we want to get smart safeties in here because let's get that on right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Great. Let's let's throw to Bill Belichick's sound on Adrian Phillips from this morning. Uh, Adrian's a, you know, very experienced player. Um, And, uh, you know, we, when we signed him, we talked about that and, you know, our defense, uh, because we have to defend so many different things uh, from a week to week basis, teams are using, you know, more and more formations and personnel groupings and, uh, you know, motions and just deceptive things for the defense, even though a lot of their plays are the same, they, they look a lot different. Um, and might run the same play four or five times in a game, but it looks different every time, or they might switch personnel groups and things like that. So, uh, you know, I think that's an advantage to have some versatility defensively and, and also, uh, you know, defensive players that are instinctive and, um, they can, can recognize the play and not get distracted by all the other things going around it are, 
uh, you know, guys that can really, you know, be productive and, and have, you know, have plays that, um, that they, they just anticipate and, you know, are there to make the play on. So, you know, Adrian showed the ability to do that with the Chargers, and he's, he's certainly done some of that for us. And, you know, had a couple, couple really good plays, um, obviously the interception, but, you know, he was in on, on some other plays on Sunday against Miami. So, um, you know, he's a smart player. He's tough. He's physical. Um, he runs well and, and he tackles well um, and, you know, and plays really with, within the defense, plays a smart game. Uh, so glad we have him and, you know, he's worked in well with our other um, linemen, linebackers, and, and specifically defensive backs, which is where he works the most. But, you know, when he's around the line of scrimmage, he has to have a good feel for what those other guys are doing too. So um, he's shown the ability to play, you know, near the line and not near the line. So just kind of depend on what – what they're in and what we're trying to do. Great point on Phillips. Great point on the safeties in general, too, because Chung out, you're not going to replace him with the institutional knowledge or the speed or the versatility necessarily. Well, maybe you can the versatility. But between he, meaning Phillips, and Duggar and Jawan Williams, you get some long, tall cats. I'm not buying on Jawan Williams yet at all, but we'll see how things go. Who else you want to highlight? on either side of the ball before we move on to a couple of game balls in my power rankings. Yeah, the last grade we should, uh, we should hand out, especially if we're doing game balls in a second here, we're going to be positive. The receivers, I'm giving them a C minus. It was close to a D. It's, it's bad. I mean, like, yes, they had the 23-yard run from Julian Edelman that I thought was a really important play, good play. Yes, they had both players had good catches on slants, Tom, over the middle. But the Nikhil Harry fumble is an obvious gaffe that we talked about after the game. I thought the Julian Edelman drop early wasn't a perfectly thrown pass, but that was a real momentum killer. We real talked about how important. Killer. first down, so too important. You can't have a zero-yard gain on first down in this offense. They're just not going to be successful that way. Nikhil Harry also, Tom, just re-watching the game, little things that you notice. A um, couple of whiffs as a blocker. Couldn't get off of press during that play where James White wanted to throw it on that halfback pass play. I put that on him as well. So just uh, a really difficult game from Nikhil Harry that his, his work on the day pretty much killed their grade. So they get a C minus. Phil, we got the power rankings that I do on Tuesdays. Used to just be the AFC. Now we've added 16 more teams and it's the NFC as well. It's 32 teams every Tuesday before we do uh, quick slants and also uh, the Patriot Stock podcast and have our television stuff. Can you hear some passive aggressive? I got too much shit on my plate um, on Tuesday. <laughs> I didn't notice that um, at all. Well, Funny you should mention that. I, see, again, it's time management. I got to do something different to make this work because I like doing the power rankings. But uh, be that as it may, really very few changes at the top, Phil. We got the uh, Chiefs, Ravens, Saints moving up one. Seahawks and Packers, the Niners drop out of the top five down to six. Bills moving up to seven. Buccaneers going down from five to eight. Steelers moving up two from 11 to nine. And the Cardinals all the way mm. up from 19 to number 10, Phil. Uh, that's a fascinating move. I think it's deserved because of that performance that they had against the San Francisco 49ers. I know why you think the Bucks shouldn't drop farther than eight, so we don't have to get into that. The Bills climb up one spot after beating up on the Jets. How do you improve your standing in Tom Curran's eyes by beating up on the 
the hapless Jets. Well, the Niners dropped, so that had to somebody had to go. Where do you see the chaos in the next in the next ten, buddy? It's just ridiculous what ends up happening. Well, you got Titans, Titans, Patriots, Cowboys, Rams climbing to twenty one, climbing from twenty one. Everybody in the everybody in my ten through twenty lost. Eagles, Vikings, oh, everybody this lost. So I had to put them behind people. The Rams, the Cowboys, way up. Lose. The Cowboys lose to the Rams, and I still left them in front of them. Everybody lost. So that's where it gets chaotic. The Patriots, I think, of course, people are probably centered on that. Um, I bring them up from uh, number 16 up to number right. 12. And I think that's fine, okay? Let's, I don't want to be putting them up at seven or some shit like that and then having to put them back down to 14 if they lose 41 to three. Let me ask you this and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but would the Seattle win validate them in your eyes to the point that they would be not only top 10, but maybe top five, because you have Seahawks four right now. Oh, 100%. They're a top 10 team. If they take out the Seahawks, yeah, they're going ahead of the Bucs. I'll flip them right into eight if I have to. Don't think I won't. Oh, I know you would. I know you would. I'm just trying to scroll through the rest of what you got here. I think the Texans were still too low on the Texans. It's a tough – it's week one against a really good team. You have them all the way down at 21. That seems unfair. They get blasted. Wait till they get blasted by the Ravens. They had an all-or-nothing game against the Ravens last year. They lost 41-7, to and it might have been at home, if I remember correctly. Um, I guess the greatest comeuppance I got was from the Jacksonville Jaguars, though. They went from 31-25. to 25. The Colts, I think I might have – like to have been a little bit harder on the Colts. Um, I dropped them, well, not a lot, 14 down to 20. But Phillip Rivers is not going to be the antidote there. No, he's not. That was a shocking performance. I did not see Gardner Minshew being perfect, essentially. What happened to that Colts? Like, the Colts, we know their strength is on the offensive line. They have some pretty talented receivers. That defense shouldn't be that bad. Mm-mm. I mean, Darius, Darius uh, Fleming. Darius. Darius Fleming. <laughs> Darius Fleming, former Patriots linebacker. Jeez. Saving Darius people Boy, on the highway, man. guy. Uh, Darius Leonard. I almost said Darius Butler too. Jesus. Darius, Darius Leonard. Rucker. Okay, uh, Malik they, they have good guys like, on their defense. Got- but here's here's the thing, Phil. Since they beat Kansas City on a Monday night last year, just manhandled them. I don't know if they've done squat since the Colts. They've been a mess. The football team uh, works its way up the rankings as well from 30 to 26 after a big win in uh, Ron Rivera's debut. Yeah, it's hard to, to root for a football team given the ownership and the disarray mm-hmm. that visits upon them constantly. But to dismantle the Eagles, and as I pointed out in football team summation, I don't know which team I would rather see lose because after watching the Patriots in the 2017 Super Bowl and witnessing Philadelphia Eagles fans and uh, just all that the Eagles are all about, I I root against them pretty heavily these days. Um, Not a big Philly guy. You know, Drapes, I hope you're listening. Not a big Philly guy. But (laughs) Philly people are not Boston people. But they they say it more liberally. I'm going to say it. I don't like Philadelphia. And I don't like their teams. And I don't like their fans. So um, the upside to football team beating the Eagles, if there was one, is Ron Rivera gets a dub. 
and the Eagles lose. My, my argument here with um, – I don't know if it's my strongest argument, but it's the one that I feel strongest about right now. At the moment. The, the Jets should be lower. No. What is redeeming about the Jets? I mean – Adam Gase is a good coach. No. Get I'll die on that hill. Oh, my goodness. That is – die on – they won six die. out of their last yeah. seven last year. They beat two teams. They hill. put up 30-odd points in, in, like, six out of seven games. You guys – you know what? They're not, they're not good. The defense, their defense put them in a bunch of favorable situations last year, and their defense got worse. Okay. Well, it's, just, it's not a good team. I'm not sure. I don't envision them winning more than They're at 27. Games. What else do you want me to do to them? Drop them below the Panthers. Drop them below the Giants even. I would rather be the Giants than the Jets right now. Are you, are you serious? You underestimate Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. I do. I will underestimate – Adam Gase as much as you can Good. because Do it. he's so, far, he's so low, though, Tom. I'm not sure he is underestimatable. At your own friggin' peril. Uh, the Lions, I would have loved to have put them lower, but they just have too much talent. The only um, impediment to their success, of course, seems to be the head coach, Matt Patricia, who mind-bogglingly mind – mind – B-O-G-G-L-I-N-G-L-Y, bogglingly. My guys are great. Well, I have problems with my L's. Um, <laughs> made just a mind-bending statement. How's that? That we'll get to later. But uh, they've now lost 13 of their last 14 games going back to last year and haven't won a game since last September. So can I just um, – it's week one of the rankings, which I love, and everybody should be reading these on NBCSportsBoston.com. Are we going to get a plus or minus with maybe even like a color-coding system of how – high teams have climbed or how far teams have fallen because you yeah, no, put, I got it. I got it at the end of the parentheses. There. You put the last I ranking. I want like when the Seahawks go from six to four, I want like plus two somewhere in green. I'm sure there'll be a Reddit forum that goes through all that okay. shit at some point. Right. So you're going to have to go on that. Oh, I've no. never been on Reddit, but I know that they have everything that they forums that discuss all kinds of shit that nobody cares about. All right. Back to live action. I got a lot of windows open, folks. So if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize. Uh, now on to what I wanted to hit last is just simply called you don't see. You know see. who he looked like right there? You looked like Adam Gase at his opening press conference with the Jets, the, the eyes darting around at all the different windows you had in your computer. <laughs> if John Henry doesn't use that as teaser, no. teaser video, if the Skull Crusher doesn't use that as teaser video, I don't know what we're even doing here. Or Adam Gase. Can we get an Adam Gase gif in there somewhere, somehow on the YouTube? All right, time now for You Don't Say, some of the best sound that we've gotten over the last couple of days, and we're going to highlight it. We're going to do it every week? I don't know, but we're going to do it today. Matt Patricia, after the Lions lost to the Bears late, was asked, why your defense so bad annually? Throughout, really, your tenure here, you've had fourth-quarter leads and lost them. Is there something in your coaching that maybe isn't happening enough in the fourth quarter for you to close out games? Yeah, I don't think so, Mike. I think I got probably one of the biggest plays in the fourth quarter in the history of the NFL where I think I did a pretty good job. So I don't think it's that. I think we all know what the, the individual games are. Um, we got to do a better job. I mean, we've got a team right now that's different than the previous two years. This team is different. They're different players, and they have a different mindset. You know, we, we look, no excuses. Give the Bears credit. You know, they did what they did, and they executed, and they and they scored, and, and they won, and uh, we didn't. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking back. We're looking forward, and we're trying to make sure that this team that we're building on, uh, you know, understands these situations, and we got to come through better than what we did before. 
bold move by a guy who's lost 13 out of 14 games and had the 30th ranked defense in the NFL last year and hasn't been able to stop really any passing attack since Aaron Hernandez was a rookie to be boldly stating that he's a part of NFL history when I think it was Brian Flores who said, go Malcolm. Brian Flores said the Malcolm go. Bill Belichick was the one who allowed Pete Carroll to make that mistake to call the pass because they were so confused on the opposite sideline, just sitting there stoic. Ernie Adams is probably the one who drew up that play in practice, right, to get the defense ready, to get Matt Patricia's defense ready. You can't say, I got. I got. I got one of the best plays, one of the best offensive plays in NFL history. And, and oh, by the way, it was six years ago, dude. I mean, you're just going to – you're just going to live off of that in your own mind? You thought the, the low point would be when he was telling reporters to sit up. I mean, you'll look like you got a beard with raccoons running around in it, okay? The pencil and the visor only cut it when you're winning. Otherwise, they're just props. And now he's doing the I got. It's a tough Whatever, look. Man. Really tough look. It's down on him when he was here. Down on him when he's there. Bottom line. Bill Belichick, meanwhile. Never been down on Patricia. He loves Patricia. Those guys are tight. Um, Belichick had a second time now that he has circled back and made a statement about Tom Brady and saying that everything we do, we did it for Tom. Now, that's plainly stating um, the obvious, and Bill Belichick says, and rightly so. But I think that there is, as always, a method to his word choice. And when he knows that there are many out here who say he didn't do enough for Tom Brady personnel-wise, i.e. me and others, I think this is a way for him to push back and say, we did plenty with him. But now it's Cam. So what, what's your take on that? I, I didn't really land that uh, observation. Yeah, no, I always, uh, you know, think about it in those terms. You know, who is he? He's talking to us, right? But who else is this message for? Is it for, is it for other media? Is it for Tom Brady himself? Is it for the guys in his locker room? I think oftentimes it's for his own team. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that comment benefits the team um, in terms of like, I, I don't know, does it motivate them more or something? Like, no, I don't think so. So I don't know, Tom, I don't know if there's, I don't know what, if there's a ton of meaning behind this other than we're going to, be who we've always been, which is we maximize the guys that we have. I think that might be the, the overriding message here that we'll probably hear many times over the course of the season. All right. Um, we could go on. We had Chris Sims and we had more sound lined up. But honestly, we've gone on a little longer than we normally like to here um, because we want to make this not bite-sized, but manageable for you. So even in this explanation, I'm taking too much time to get to the point, which is we got to wrap it up. Digestible. Yeah, that's what my guy, Skull Crusher John Henry, said. We want to make it digestible. Did I say digestible? Just drop it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I appreciate you guys following along. Phil, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. This was a mind-bogglingly good podcast. See I you agree. Thursday.